Hey y'all, welcome to the Study Faithfully podcast. And of course, my name is Sandy and I'll be your host. Thank you for tuning in again for yet another episode. Over the last few weeks, I've been taking you guys on a journey with me as we lay some biblical foundations about the Bible. And um, so far, we've learned the seven reasons why we should study the Bible and what the Bible is in general. Now, if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I would highly suggest that you do go back and listen to those, catch up, then come back and listen to this one. But in this episode, we'll be talking about how to actually study the Bible. So lean in and like always, I hope you enjoy the episode. According to Barna Research, statistics show that 99% of Christians in the United States own a Bible and many of them have more than one Bible. Also, according to the American Bible Society, in their study, State of the Bible 2023, they found that 39% of Americans are Bible users. But they define Bible users as those who read, listen to, or pray with the Bible on their own at least three to four times a year outside of a church service. This number has dropped since 2020, when 50% of Americans claim to be Bible users. But overall, 24% of Americans say they use a Bible on their own at least once a week outside of church services. So 24% means that only about one in four Christian Americans actually engage with the Bible every week. And that's a pretty low number. But I do believe that there's so much potential for these numbers to change if we're like, you know, intentional and just diligent about actually getting into the word of God for ourselves. Now, the Apostle Paul, after his conversion, he went on three missionary journeys where he would travel throughout the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. And as he did this, some people received his message. Some others, you know, rejected it. But specifically during his second missionary journey, um, Paul and Silas, which is his ministry companion, they found themselves in a city called Berea while they were trying to escape the persecution by the Jews in Thessalonica. So Berea is a city about 50 miles away from Thessalonica, and the Jews there responded to Paul's preaching differently than those who tried to persecute him. Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and in Acts 17:11, he says that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So ultimately, many of them, men and women, put their faith in Christ. This is important because Christians have praised the people in Berea for their study of the Bible. Now, the Bible that we have today is not the Bible that they had. They had the Jewish scriptures, but they were still receptive to the message. Not only is their receptive response to the gospel message commendable, but we also commend them for their careful examination of the scripture. They were receptive both spiritually and intellectually. Luke also says that they examined the scriptures daily. So they took it upon themselves to check if what Paul was saying was true. And considering their Jewish background in the Jewish culture, they hold high regard for those who diligently study the scriptures and listen to their teachers. This should serve as an example to the Christian community today, because as we seek God's truth through the word, it will help us produce spiritual growth and increase our faith in Christ. So from doing some research, people don't study the Bible for several reasons. One of the reasons is simply because people are lazy, right? We get busy. We don't feel like it. We don't have that desire to, you know, we're just lazy. R.C. Sprawl is a theologian and he says, we fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it is difficult to understand, not so much because it is dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. 
another reason why people don't study the Bible is because they don't believe it's true. And yes, you heard me correct. Christians don't believe the Bible is true. There are a lot of Christians who just don't believe that the Bible can actually change them or impact them in any type of way. So they just don't engage with it. But one of the main reasons why people don't study the Bible is because they don't know how to. They don't understand it. They don't know what it means. They don't know what to do with it. It seems intimidating. And so they just end up not reading it at all. That's the point I want to kind of elaborate on today. A lot of us really don't know how to study the Bible. And it's not because we're lazy or we don't believe in what it says, but it's simply because we just need some help trying to figure out what it is actually saying. But thankfully, we live in a time where Bible study tools are easily accessible to us. So there's really no reason why we should feel intimidated by the Bible. In encouraging Timothy in his ministry in 2 Timothy 2.15, the Apostle Paul reminds him to divide or handle the word of God rightly. The Greek word used for rightly divide means to cut straight, to make straight or smooth, to teach the truth directly and correctly. And this is the same thing that God expects us to do today. There's so many false teachers out there. And if we don't know the word of God for ourselves, we could easily be led astray and it's going to stunt our spiritual growth. So that takes me to the subject of hermeneutics. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it before, but hermeneutics can be defined differently by different people. So sometimes it's a little difficult to really carve out a concise definition of what it really is. But as a starting point, the most basic definition of hermeneutics is that it is a science and an art of biblical interpretation. There are two aspects of hermeneutics that we have to consider. It's a science and it's an art. So first, as a science, it provides us with certain principles that can guide our thinking regarding interpreting the Bible. And then secondly, as an art or skill, it provides us with a methodical process that we can apply to the biblical text so that we can get an accurate understanding of what it actually means. It involves exegesis and interpretation. Exegesis is the process of examining a passage of scripture to find what its first readers would have understood it to mean. Meaning when the original authors of the Bible wrote, what message were they trying to convey to their immediate audience at that time? On the other hand, interpretation is the process of examining or drawing out the implications of that understanding for readers and hearers today. So what I mean by that is how can you take the passage of scripture and apply it to today's context? So to figure out the original meaning of a passage and how we can actually apply it to our context today, there have been countless amounts of Bible study methods that has been created over time to help us draw out those meanings. There's not enough time to actually go through all of the different Bible study methods that we can use to study the Bible, but I'll mention a few of them. So inductive study, which is a pretty common one, you're probably doing an inductive study sometimes and you don't even know that you are, but the inductive study method involves three steps, right? So it involves observation, interpretation, and application. Observation begins by analyzing a passage of scripture and then pinpointing Questions like who, what, when, where, why, and how. And then in the next phase, which is interpretation, you look to find the passage meaning by considering the context of other correlating scriptures. And then lastly, application, you explore how the passage can be used practically by asking, how does this apply to me? Right. Which is what we talked about a little bit earlier. And then you have a topical study, 
The topical study method involves searching the Bible to discover what it teaches regarding various topics. Once a topic is selected, you trace it throughout the entire Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, or just within like a single book. And then you compile a list of all of the words that relate to that topic within the Bible. And with the use of other Bible references, you can create a list of all the verses that relate to the topic that you chose. And then you consider each passage individually. You're going to look at the context to understand what the Bible has to say about it. And then you summarize your findings and see how it could be applied in your life. And then we have a character study. The character study method is also known as a biographical study, and it examines the life and character of people that are listed in the Bible. So the Bible contains over 3000 men and women that we can kind of like glean on to learn from their personal journeys, their faith with God. And, you know, oftentimes we're encouraged by their lives. And so we want to study what their successes were, what their failures were, what their characteristics were. Right. So for this type of study, you're going to begin by choosing a specific biblical character. And then you're going to gather all the passages in the Bible where that person is mentioned. Then you're going to analyze all of those passages. Keep note of any first impressions you have, insights into who they are, their character qualities, any biblical truths that you can apply or draw out of their lives and how their life relates to Jesus himself. And then finally, you're going to summarize the main lesson that can be learned in this person's life and how that lesson can be applied personally in your life. For example, if you chose to do a character study on a person like Noah, I would start off by gathering all the scriptures where he's mentioned in the Bible. So he's in Genesis 5, he's in Isaiah 54, Ezekiel 14, Matthew 24, Luke 17, 1 Peter 3, 2 Peter 2, and Hebrews 11. So then I would go one by one and read each of those passages and try to draw out different meanings in each one. What do I notice? What do I see? Is there any key words? Is there anything in particular that I should know about his character or his life? So after I did that, here's the insights that I got about Noah. Scripture tells us that Noah's father was Lamech. It also lets us know that he lived for 950 years. He had three sons, which were Ham, Shem, and Japheth. He's characterized by God as righteous and blameless. He found favor and he walked with God. He's also referred to as a herald of righteousness. He was chosen by God to build an ark that would save his family and those God called to be on an ark with him from the flood. He was one of eight persons who received salvation by way of the ark. When God instructed him to build the ark, he did all that the Lord commanded him, quote unquote. He built an altar to God after the flood had subsided and God made a covenant with him to never flood the earth again. And though Noah was righteous and blameless, one day he was found drunk in his tent. So that tells us that he also sinned, right? He also made mistakes. And though God used Noah and was righteous in God's eyes, not even his righteousness could save the wickedness of his day. The New Testament compares Noah's flood with the second coming of Christ, meaning it will happen when it is least expected. Because Noah had faith, he saved his household and became an heir of Christ. And those who sinned in his day were condemned. And just as God promised Noah that he would not flood the earth again as a form of judgment, he also promises that there will come a time where he will no longer be angry with the people of Israel. 
So those are all of the insights that I gained just by reading those few passages about Noah. Now, if we tie all of that in and we try to draw some theological insights, we first learn that God judges those who sin against him, but those who choose to live a life of faith, displaying righteousness, will be blessed and receive salvation. Yet no man can save humanity, no matter how righteous they may be. Salvation only comes by placing your faith in Christ. The second thing we can learn is that the second coming of Christ will happen when it's least expected. Therefore, believers should continue to live according to the will of God, knowing that he can return at any moment. And also, just as Noah was obedient to the commands of God over his life, we should also remain obedient to God's call for us as his disciples. Practically, believers can learn the importance of having faith in obeying God. When God spoke to Noah regarding the ark, Noah did not question God. This is the same posture we should have as believers today. Noah remained faithful to God as God calls us and he gives us different assignments. Just like Noah didn't question God, we should also not question God as well. And amidst a crooked generation, Noah remained blameless. Even in the midst of all the craziness that we experience, we can still follow God and just be faithful to his call. There are so many Bible study methods you can use to enhance your study time. And um, one book I would recommend getting is Rick Warren's Bible Study Methods, 12 Ways You Can Unlock God's Word. And in there, he goes through 12 different ways that you can actually study the Bible. We live in a time where we have more access than ever to supplemental Bible study tools that can help us study the Bible. These are not made to replace your time actually reading the Word of God for yourself but you can use them alongside your reading so you can gain further clarity about what a passage is saying. Thanks to the help of Bible scholars and theologians, we have Bible dictionaries, concordances, commentaries, study Bibles, and so much more references. So I'm just going to go through some of the main ones that you can use. So first we have Bible dictionaries, and they are used to find the meaning of words within the Bible. Like I talked about last week, the Bible was actually written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So we need the Bible dictionary to actually help us draw the original meaning of these words. And then we have a Bible concordance. A Bible concordance is basically going to list every reference in the Bible where a certain word is mentioned. For example, you could look up the word salvation, and then it'll list every scripture within the Bible that mentions that word salvation. Then you have Bible commentaries, and these are written by biblical scholars and theologians. They give us insight into the meaning of a text by the book, by chapter, or by verse. It's like doing a deep dive study of the Bible, but in textbook form. And then you have Bible encyclopedias. Bible encyclopedias contain articles about different biblical subjects that will also mention scripture references for where that subject can be found throughout the Bible. Study Bibles are similar to commentaries, but it comes alongside an actual translation of the Bible. For example, you have the NLT Study Bible, an ESV Study Bible, New King James, and so forth. Within a Study Bible, you'll find book introductions, outlines, maps, character studies, and so much more. So they're a convenient way to study the Bible and have the commentary side by side. And then, of course, we have Bible study websites and tools. These websites and tools provide us with a centralized place where we can get everything else that I mentioned before. So, for example, the Blue Letter Bible has everything that I mentioned earlier in a confined place. It's the same with Logos and Bible Gateway and U version app. 
It's just basically one place where you can find scripture, commentaries, all of that good stuff. All of these resources could be used for beginner Bible study or extensive Bible study. I'll actually try to post some of these on the blog so that you can get a list of recommendation for each type of resource. When it comes to actually planning the time for you to study, of course, it's recommended that we study every day. I mean, that's the goal. That should be the goal. Even if it's just one verse a day, be intentional. But I would say find a good time and a space where you can actually focus on your time with God because we get easily distracted. And remember, consistency is key. So if there's periods where you don't take the time out to get into the word of God, just remember to keep trying again the next day and the next day and the next day. Trust me, a lot of us struggle to do it every day. I myself have times where I struggle to study the Bible consistently. But, you know, that doesn't mean I just give up at some point and don't pick it up ever again. It just means that I have to keep trying to be consistent and then over time it gets better. But here's the thing that I want you to really keep in mind. Always try to start your study time off with prayer, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that truly leads us. You have to really give room to the Holy Spirit to really lead you in your studies. You're not just studying to get more knowledge. You're not just studying just because it's fun or just because somebody told you to do it. But you're studying so that you can be transformed, right? It's all about change. It's all about growth. And so when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, um, that growth can happen. The Bible tells us that it is the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. John 8 verses 31 to 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So freedom doesn't come from you just knowing more of God's word. It actually comes from you actually living out the word of God. You have to actually let it penetrate you. So that's what I want to leave you with today. Bible study is not just about gaining more knowledge, though knowledge is powerful. But you'll notice most of the Bible study methods ends with application. And that's because Bible study is more about becoming like Christ and learning how to live in his freedom rather than just gaining more knowledge. You have to actually apply what you learn in your personal life. The goal of Bible study is transformation. That's exactly what we'll be talking about next week. Next week, we'll be talking about spiritual growth, transformation, and actually maturing in Christ. So I'll see you here next week. And of course, if you have any questions or prayer requests, you can always contact us on our website, www.studyfaithfully.com. You can fill out the contact form. You can reach us on all social media platforms at Study Faithfully. And um, I just hope you enjoy your week and thank you for listening. <music>